Hello and welcome to The Elite, a podcast by The Med Elite Group. My name is Susie Hertz and I will be your host. The Elite is a podcast designed to provide informative discussion topics related to the medical field and nursing home industries. All right, so welcome to our podcast. We're going to be having um, Dr. Jeffrey Weinberg with us today. Um, Dr. Jeffrey Weinberg is an associate clinical professor of dermatology at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City. In addition, he is acting director of the Division of Dermatology at Jamaica Hospital Medical Center. Um, Dr. Weinberg graduated from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine in Philadelphia and completed his internship in medicine at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center in New York City. He then completed a residency in dermatology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Um, Now, Dr. Weinberg is a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology, where he has served several um, committees and a member of the Dermatology Foundation. He is a diplomat of the American Board of Dermatology. Um, So welcome, Dr. Weinberg. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, so you want to kind of walk us through a little bit of your background and where you are today and your practice and, you know, share that with us a little bit. Well, I, I mostly practical practice medical dermatology, um, you know, very interested in conditions such as psoriasis and atopic dermatitis and also in geriatric dermatology. That's why I became involved um, in helping to service the nursing home population because I realized a while ago that there was a great need there, but not a lot of my colleagues wanted to go into nursing homes, and it was inconvenient and costly for the nursing homes to transport people out. So I started going to some local nursing homes uh, on the Upper West Side where I lived and in the Bronx. Um, So mostly taking care of, again, medical conditions. Okay. Well, we're really glad to have you today. Thank you for joining. Um, So we wanted to obviously discuss COVID-19 and how it pertains to dermatology. Um, And I know me and you had a previous discussion um, about a week ago regarding um, what people could potentially experience due to the stress of COVID-19 and what that could bring out in regards to dermatology issues. Um, Do you want to elaborate about that a little bit? And again, this is not to alarm anybody or create extra panic. It's really just knowledge is power. And the more you know, the more you could be well prepared. Well, it's interesting just in relation to COVID-19 first. I mean, COVID-19 generally does not affect the skin, although some people have seen a viral rash um, that is associated with COVID-19 infection. So that's one issue. Um, You know, and then when you and I were speaking, we we talked about stress and and certainly, you know, something you can see in, in the older population under stress is herpes zoster, which is also known as shingles. Okay. So that's something that people of all ages could be looking out for, or does it hit a certain um, age group specifically? Well, traditionally, we always thought of of herpes zoster affecting older people because as cell-mediated immunity starts to decrease with age, we see an increasing amount of incidence. Now, in recent years, we've had vaccines for chickenpox. Um, we also now have vaccines, two vaccines for herpes zoster, for shingles. Um, 
And what we noticed, though, is people have not gotten chickenpox as much. We've seen an increasing incidence of herpes zoster in younger patients. And part of the reason for this is that it is believed that there was sort of a herd immunity to this, that, um, you know, people would get it and it would strengthen uh, the immune system of people around them. So this was reintroduced the virus and strengthen it when people got chickenpox. Now that people are not getting, chick getting chickenpox, they're not getting that immune boost. So we're starting to see it in younger populations. So you can see it in any age. Herpes zoster has been reported in infants. Um, but if you start seeing recurrent case of herpes zoster in younger patients, then that's more of an issue to think about in terms of immunosuppression. Okay. What is the, um, I would say like the common cause of shingles? Like what would you, how would you define that? Well, the, the cause of shingles is a reactivation of the um, varicella zoster virus um, from the dorsal root ganglia of a nerve. You have chickenpox, whether you get clinical symptoms or not. And what happens is, is that it lives in the dorsal root ganglia and it comes up. Why does it come up? Again, um, decreasing cellular immunity is one possibility. Um, trauma, um, intense sun exposure, stress, uh, viral underlying viral infection at the time. So we don't always know the trigger, but those are some of the possible triggers. Okay. Um, what are the symptoms of shingles? Uh, the symptoms of shingles generally are a uh, what we call vesicular pustules. So we look at little blisters that are sort of cloudy um, because they have a lot of neutrophils in them. So they're little pustules. They're located along a dermatome. And a dermatome means along a nerve because, as I said before, they come out from the dorsal root ganglia. So you'll see them along the pattern that a nerve would run. Generally, you only see it on one side. It's unilateral. It's not on both sides. Now, that doesn't mean that they're because um, some of the nerves on one side may have branches that cross the midline. You may see some, but predominantly it should be on one side. And if you see a case that you suspect is zoster, which is on both sides are generalized, then again, you're more concerned about an immunosuppressant situation in that case. But generally, one-sided redness at the base with these little vesicles um, and pustules um, located along that. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, why do some people develop shingles and some people don't? Again, we don't know why. Not everybody does develop it. And again, it, it may have something to do with their immune systems or the state of their immune systems. Um, Talking about immune system, is there something that um, people could do to like to take proactive measures to not get shingles? Is there like a vitamins or nutrient supplements to take for that? Not that we're aware of. I mean, the main thing to do is people over 50 should take the uh, shingles vaccine, the new ones called Shingrix, S-H-I-N-G-R-I-X. It's safe. Uh, it's a, it's a non- live vaccine. So it's not a concern about reactivation um, there. And it, it tends to be effective and it tends to not only decrease the incidence of uh, herpes zoster, but even in people who get it tend to get a more mild course. Is it a one-time um, dose that somebody needs to take a one-time? There are two, there are two injections. Two injections. Okay. Um, does shingles lower the immune system? I mean, I don't think shingles lowers the immune system per se. I mean, the shingles coming out may be as a result of the immune system being down a little. 
So keeping a high, healthy immune system could potentially um, save one from getting shingles, so to speak? Well, we, I mean, theoretically, that, that sounds good. I mean, we don't necessarily have a way to do that. I mean, we can all talk about exercise and eating healthy and doing all that. I, I don't want to tell you that proves that someone isn't going to get shingles because they do that. Um, but, but obviously, the, the better health status you're in overall is going to be more favorable to your overall health. Yeah, let's touch about that for a moment, um, about keeping up with a healthy lifestyle right now in general, given that we're all indoors. Like, is there like specific things that you would tell people to pay close attention to and to focus on to maintain a healthy immune system right well, now? I, I think it's in these days also it's tough. Um, people are locked indoors. Um, yeah. Certainly. They, they're going to tend to go for unhealthy foods when they're stressed and locked. They're worried about their health. They're worried about their jobs. So try not to, try not to overdo it on the, the stress-type foods you're going to eat. Try to get some exercise. I and mean, even people right now who are shelter-in-place, um, they can go out. They can get they can keep distance from people. They can take a walk. They can take a run. They can get some exercise. They can do some exercise at home um, if they have. That is a challenging time. So it's, it's certainly not easy for anybody. So keep away from the junk as much as we can, get up that exercise when we can, and try to keep up with a healthy life, even though life as we know it has changed. We should maintain a healthy lifestyle uh, as much as we can. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, what are the possible complications from if somebody has shingles? Uh, the most common complication is uh, chronic pain, post-herpetic neuralgia. And in people over 50, they have more of a risk of the pain lasting longer. So the herpes zoster itself is not a big deal, but that, that neuralgia can be severe and long-lasting and may require pain management. You can also have herpes zoster ophthalmicus uh, involving the eye. You can get scarring. You can get uh, superficial infection. But the main one to be concerned about, main two, or does it affect the eye area, number one? And number two, um, is, there, is there pain? And, and the, the acute pain that people are encountering is a good predictor of whether they're going to have post-traumatic neuralgia or not. Okay. Um, is there a test that tests for shingles or is it kind of something that one day it just appears and somebody has it? Uh, generally, the clinical manifestations of uh, shingles are pretty clear to people. Um, you can do a culture or a direct fluorescent antibody if you're in doubt. The culture, um, varicella zoster virus does not culture well. So that is, uh, it's not always the great test, but 98% but of the time, then you, you'll be able to tell clinically just by looking at it. Okay. Can you catch shingles from an infected individual that has shingles? No, you can get, somebody who has not had chickenpox can get chickenpox from someone who has shingles, but you can't give shingles from one person to another. And if you've already had chickenpox, then the only place it can come from is within your own body. You can't catch it from somebody else. Actually, like I said, if you've had chickenpox and you come in contact with someone like shingles, in a way, it's actually increasing your own immune system. Okay, that's that's very important information for us to know. Um, is there currently a treatment for shingles? Um, in people who present within the first 72 hours, we generally start antiviral therapy. Um, you can use topical antibiotics if you're concerned about infection. You can, um, you know, sometimes steroids can be used. They're a little controversial because the steroids can have bad side effects, but in a younger patient um, who has a lot of pain, um, a short course of steroids at the time uh, may, be, uh, may be helpful. 
Okay. And you mentioned the first 72 hours. If that window frame passes, is it harder to treat at that point or? They've just shown that after 72 hours, there's no benefit of treatment at that time. So if somebody's, you know, 96 hours, I'll probably treat them. If they've had a, if they've had an eruption for six weeks, probably uh, it's too late to really have a benefit. So when does somebody know, um, how can somebody determine that window? If, um, if we're right now addressing the nursing home facilities and administrators and uh, clinicians and nursing directors and their medical team, how would they know to determine that window frame of 72 hours and when to reach out? Well, I mean, you know, again, they, they can, if they see the eruption starting, they should certainly reach out immediately. Okay. If they're not sure when the eruption started, then I think you can still treat. I mean, it, this, the, the downside of treating is very low. So I still think you can, uh, you can still treat in, outside that window, again, if you're not sure. But it's certainly when you see an eruption, they should reach out. So people should, the facility should reach out right away instead of waiting it out at this point. Um, it would probably be safer. Because if we can institute therapy, there is some evidence that, you know, we can when we institute therapy, we may be able to reduce the duration of the pain. Okay. That's important to keep in mind. Um, how could one protect themselves under the extreme stress that I'm sure everybody is under right now with being, you know, COVID-19 and the world pandemic, how could one try to protect themselves from potentially ending up with shingles right now? Is there anything we could? I mean, I, I think in general, I mean, I wouldn't say shingles particularly. Uh, in general, yeah. I'd say that people, depending on where they are, uh, practice, uh, you know, relaxation techniques. Um, I know that, you know, very often there are resources available for people to speak by telemedicine. Um, or they can do it, uh, you know, several, I've seen emails, several religious organizations have reached out and said, you know, if you need to talk, you can sign up for 15 minute periods of time. So do what you can to reach out to other people and just try to stay calm. Um, that's the best you can. Okay. So healthy lifestyle, stay away from drunk exercise and make sure to keep your social life alive in some kind of way, call people or reach out to these organizations and not isolate, I guess. Exactly. Okay. Is there any other um, dermatology-related illnesses, diseases that you think are important for people to look out for at this time? I just think the the, the general gamut of things. Uh, any, I mean, this time of year with cold weather, eczema, dry skin, but I don't think anything else really particular to the uh, pandemic. Okay. Um, what is the takeaway you would want the listeners, the audience to take away from this podcast? Um, I'd want them to take away again, we, we touched a little bit on the, the current situation, um, which, which everybody's aware of. Um, if for shingles, if you don't know what it looks like, uh, and, and maybe in your the podcast, you'll put a picture or a few pictures on. Do you have a picture that you could share with us? I, I can get you one. Later. Okay. Get you one. For time. Um, be aware of what it looks like, um, recognize it early, um, especially on the face, because if it's on the face, you'll want to not only call the dermatologist, but the ophthalmologist, what it looks like on the body so that you can be aware and that you can um, act quickly to hopefully minimize any morbidity patients. So really educate yourself on what the symptoms could appear as. And again, um, this is in no way to alarm anybody or scare anybody or panic anybody. This is simply 
to educate yourself. I think if we all educate ourselves, we could be better prepared and we could hopefully have a better outcome from this. Um, If there are clients, um, nursing homes or individual patients that would like to reach out to you for consultations, is your office open? Are you doing telehealth? Like how are you working at this point? All of the above, yes. How could somebody reach out to you? Well, I'll give you a a phone number um, of the main office, 718-459-0900. And if somebody wants to do a telehealth, um, we're we're actively setting that up. Okay. Is there an email? They could email the office? Um, You can email foresthillsdermatology at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope we all stay safe and well. And this passes quickly. And we get to have you on here again and to talk about other things uh, aside from COVID-19. So, Better things. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Please read and comment. Let us know what you think. And of course, feel free to check out our website, metaleadgrp.com. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and on your favorite podcast station. Bye-bye now.